Courtney Bates has got some weird friends. I have got the fastest growing bit I've ever had in my entire life. I mean, look at this thing. I think your sweetheart's been taking too many diet pills. There's a chicken sandwich if you want to She should have listened to her sister. Because when she and her band get ready to party, do anything you want to. Good time. Oh, the party weekend. It's more than just a great time. No girls really do this stuff. It's Slumber Party Massacre 2. Now it's time for the fun part. They know how to make you smile. You're already here. Why don't you stay a while? Kick back, relax, you freaks. They're playing all the tricks and taking all of the treats. Grab a whiskey and hang on tight. Smoke that bong with all your might. They write books, but that ain't all. One's short and smooth and one is hairy and tall. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and then drive each other so insane. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Best buds talking book of the week and all the horror stuff that they think is neat. Hanging loose doing ridiculous reads. Not because we deserve it, because it's what we need. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and drive each other so insane. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Welcome to Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. I am John Wayne. With me, as always, is Christopher Triana. Christopher, how are you, sir? Hello, hello. I'm just dandy. It is dandy and fine to see you. You're frozen. Like drinking wine. I am? Max, can you see him okay? Yeah, I see him fine. I'm not frozen on this side. Okay. Can you hear me, though? I can hear you fine, but like your image is frozen. So, not on my end, at least. Maybe, maybe you have a bad connection suddenly, Chris. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted, you know, for the sake of the video, I just wanted to make sure, you know. Who's recording this? I am. Okay. And I can see you guys fine, and I can see myself fine. Okay. All right. Sorry. We'll just start over. Start it over. Welcome to Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. My name is John Wayne. With me, as always, is Christopher Triana. Chris? Hey, what's going on? It's good to see you, man. Like fine and dandy. Yeah, like sour candy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good to see you. Very much so. Absolutely. We've been gone for a couple weeks, but we're back with the summer of slashers rolling on. And of course, we've been having wonderful, fantastic guests. And uh, that uh, trend continues today in an upward tick because uh, this fine gentleman that we have on the program today is uh, not only an author, he is a publisher of uh, Perpetual Motion Machine Press. 
He has a book called We Need to Do Something that is also a movie coming out soon. He is uh, a bad boy of indie lit. He's a Texas boy. Max Booth III is here. Max. Hi. What's up? <laughs> What's that happening? Mean, that's the cum clap, remember? Oh, yeah. yes. So, I mean, before we began doing this recording, we did discuss that we would all have uh, ejaculate in our palms when we clapped. Yes. Do you guys have that ready? Oh, no. I, oh, I, can, I can hold it. <laughs> I, I always I, have it in a jar right next to the computer in case I need it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that a know. Sylvia Plath book, The Cum Jill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it was. Yeah, the Cum Jar. <laughs> Okay, yeah, cool. I uh, I don't know if you um, guys. Man, yeah, these are my kind of jokes. You've uh, you've lost them all now. <laughs> That's all right. We didn't have them to begin with. It's good to see you, man. You too. Um, Max, uh, I've told the story about Max and I at uh and and Lucas Mangum at Wizard World before, but we uh we lost our minds because it was so slow. We started calling everyone Batman, but. In an epic fucking move and maneuver, fucking Max, we stole parking thanks to Max because, like, we were supposed to be $12 parking, and I stuck the ticket in, and it said $36, and I was like, what the fuck? I'm not paying that shit. And I was like, man, let's fucking pick the thing up. Max, like, like the back door of my car, just, like, slow, like, like, opens, and he steps out, and picks up the fucking rail that's in front and just lifts it up and we drive underneath and we're like fuck <laughs> you buddy and he drops it jumps in and we just take off i am uh, wanted by the police so yes I know. that's true yeah i know i was gonna say i was like man like you can't say this shit on the air man they're still it's, looking for him it's like in menace to society when it's they okay. like fuck it they took the 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 surveillance tape of them robbing and shooting those people and they thought it was all cool watching it that i i stole that surveillance tape and i just keep watching it over and over again I mean, think about how many, like, whenever there's, like, a famous serial killer on the loose, how many people go up to the station and go, I did it. Nothing happens to him. We can just admit to crimes. It's fine. Yeah. 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 I'm the yeah. Zodiac killer. Hey, on that. No, no. We know that's not true. Ted Cruz this guy is, is Zodiac. <laughs> yeah, Ted Cruz this is Zodiac. Look at that guy. Oh. <laughs> but we are in Texas, uh, Chris. Uh <laughs> Damn, you that's are. awesome. Both of you. Um, yeah. Max and I. So but not, we are. don't support Ted Cruz at all. Uh, but you do support the Zodiac Killer. I do support the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> I just like puzzles. <laughs> I, <appreciate laughs> I like puzzles. That's a true Ralph Wiggum form, dude. He, he's very quiet and enjoys puzzles. <laughs> Take out your safety pencil and circle of paper. Um, but yeah, Max is uh pretty rad. We 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 kick it sometimes, and he's uh published uh one of your book one one or two of your books, Chris, or two, yes, two, yes, one Perpetual of one of my favorite. Machine. Yeah, sorry. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, Perpetual Motion Machine Publishing uh, put out uh the Ruin Season and the Detained. Yeah, so the Ruin Season. I, I both available now. Uh, we're actually the the ruin season. We're doing a special uh, thing with. We're gonna uh, going to re-release it in an updated edition. So stay yeah. tuned for that, kids. TV Very cool. I have to get one of those. Street. Huh? I want I want what? one of those because I have the original one. I want the new one too. You can't have. You only have one. <laughs> Do I have to get rid of the other one? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Burn it. 
makes right good ki- makes makes good kindling. <laughs> you know, uh, Max is good at, at cons because he taught me things like uh, like he would hold up uh, Tales from the Crust, like the pizza anthology, and it's and just like hold it up to people walking by and say like, "You like pizza, don't you? This book is about pizza." <laughs> Like I recall when we were at a convention, that same convention, I came up with a great, uh, what I thought was a great promo thing to shout at someone. Mm-hmm. And that was, this book is so scaly, it made me come. No one yeah. bought anything when I said that. So <laughs> I, I did not recommend it. Lucas and I all. clapped. Lucas and I clapped. But you yeah. clapped and it was, it was the semen was in it's your hands when you clapped. It was the, it was the yeah. clap. Classic yeah. cum clap. <laughs> Classic cum clap. This is already the cumisode. Uh, we bring Max on, and we get boom instant cumisode. I think yeah. this is the first time I've done like a promo thing, like a podcast or a video, where I uh, leaned into my cum side. And I really? since since uh, uh, this movie thing happened, and now I am suddenly terrified <laughs> what the consequence will be. <laughs> hey, well, we did a show in Austin. That you don't do anymore, but uh, pre-pandemic, this live show where we were the bad boys of Indie Lit, you not only told a bunch of cum jokes, but we drank cocktails <laughs> that like uh, it was awesome. Um, we did readings like Max used to do this, like kind of uh, like a late night talk show type of show. Yeah, <clears throat> it's called oh, uh, something indecent. Yeah, that's I, I remember. Yeah, I remember seeing uh, bits of it online on the on the Facebook and the MySpace and whatever the kids do now. So, so you're saying like you're more come forward in your live performances, but I think so. as far as like podcast goes, this is one of the first, I'm well, good. We're breaking boundaries. I mean, I know I've done them on podcasts in the, in the past, but I, I don't think I've like had a, a conversation this uh, gooey in a long time. <laughs> and now, like I had this movie coming out in a couple of weeks. <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah, this is what I'm like. No. Well, let me let me know night? if I have to. Let me know if I have to. Edit. <laughs> Wait, did no. you say? Did you say semen night? Is is the yeah semen the night? You will see that. You will. That was like a demon tales, night? tales from the crypt. Yeah, semen, semen night. night. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Billy Zane just had so much cum on his head. He had the perfect head for it. Yeah, it just dripped down the sides. Didn't get stuck in any hair. Should we just start over like this whole show? Geez. No, what? Are you serious? <laughs> this is gold. This is gold, Jerry. See? Gold. See, Chris? I didn't even tell him to say that. I know. I know. <laughs> you, we could start over and he'll just repeat the exact same thing. So okay. It's, okay. Well, it's, it's very true. true. He's very like Max and I are very the same like that. Yeah. 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 But but Max is here and I'm glad and I love him and it's happy to see you. I love Max uh, as well. Absolutely. Also, a doubt. I, I, I will say since this movie thing happened, my uh, my nephew, who's 12, he's been he's begun uh, obsessing over typing my name into YouTube to see the stuff about the movies. So hello, nephew. <laughs> hey, what's up? Hey, better he learned from better you learn from us than on the streets, dude. That's okay? true. That yep. is true as shit. That's, you don't yep. you don't want some stranger on the street to teach your nephew about cum. Yeah. Oh, you, you really don't. don't. That's really how don't. I had to learn. Let me yeah. tell you it's not the way. <laughs> yeah, that that guy behind the seven eleven. Yeah, like that's not the way to learn. Yeah. Well um 
So, but you keep bringing up this movie thing, this movie thing. We Let's should talk, talk about talk that's about what we're that. Do we want we to do should. that to our we, segment we, and talk about it? Yeah, I think so. I think that brings us to our first segment, which is Book of the Week. <laughs> book <laughs> i like that that was great uh, it's it's pretty great <laughs> book of the week man what's up Thanks yeah well friends. this this book of the week is also going to be movie of the week um of course our guest is max booth the thoid uh and he wrote a book called we need to do something we actually brought this book up and reviewed it uh for book of the week uh many months ago uh but now uh, the book has been made into a film, and he's going to talk with us about it. We have the author of the book, the the, the man who created the film uh, from its core. Uh, Max Booth, tell us about your movie. Well, before we do that, I got to ask you, what was the review like that you did in the previous episode? It was no, no, no. It was very good. Uh, we yeah. don't. We don't usually do a book of the week. We go, this is our book of the week. What a pile of shit. Now, we, we, we you should. We, now, book of the week is always a positive. We always pick a book that we like. And we, we maybe we should week. have a shit of the week, too. Yeah. Yeah. Just we, take we, hard stances against, like, make some enemy shots fired. Yeah. That's you know. a good idea for, for people that are like, you know, up and coming in the literary world is to make as many enemies in the literary world as possible. The people who wrote the book, the people who published yeah. it, people who edited it, everybody. Let's do it. Sounds great. I'm charming. Everybody loves me. This is satire. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you want? What do you want to know about the book? Like, just like what it is? Uh, well, yeah, let's let's talk about the book and then the, maybe the movie, like, you know, like okay. the process of the two. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I certainly in, enjoyed the book. I thought it was cool. You know, like you uh, the, the premise alone is cool. It's like, OK, you take a confined space and you put people in it and that's the entirety or the majority, at least, of the yeah. story. I like that kind of confined um, space thing because I think you can really explore um, uh, character development and you also have to rely very heavily on dialogue. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a challenge for an author to, to do that. Uh, and it's a challenge for actors and filmmakers when they make it into a film. So, uh, yeah, tell me a little <laughs> bit about how the story first, like, you know, formed in your mind. Yeah. I'll, I will say, since it's on my brain, uh, I know you've done that at least once with the, the Detained as well. That's all one setting. Yes, and, uh, yes, it is. Thank go you. buy that, folks. The Detained. Yeah. <laughs> go buy the Detained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah um, the, the book just happened because I I live in Central Texas, and we get frequent uh, notifications on the phone saying a tornado is going to happen. Go hide, but then nothing ever happens. But we still, like, we have small kids with us, so when they do happen, we go into the bathroom, and we wait it out, and we play games and some shit, and I am a, a classic piece of shit human being, so <laughs> one, one of those times I was trying to skill the kids, and I was like, oh, it would suck if we got trapped in this bathroom and no one came to help us, huh? And they were terrified, like, shut up, don't, don't say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, it just seemed like a good idea. So I just kind of kept thinking about it. And I wrote it originally as a screenplay before I wrote it as a book. 
I had no luck selling it as a screenplay because I didn't know anything about movies or have them made. I didn't have like a movie agent or anything like that. And grew uh, frustrated quite quickly with the uh, lack of response I was getting. So I rewrote it as a novella and then just sat on it for a while because I didn't know what to do with it because agents will not look at novellas because they're all classic prudes. Right. Yeah. And, and um, as well. Yeah. Classic yeah. Uh, you can quote me on that. Uh, if you're an agent, that probably means you will also a cuck. Um, don't quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. Um, oh, cuck is such a stupid world. I love it. Um, so I, I was sitting on it for a while, and in the meantime, I did happen to get a, a TV and movie manager d- due to a different book completely. So he was helping me with some things, and I was waiting on him to read We Need to Do Something, which is the name of the book. And then COVID happened, and I was working at the night shift at a hotel. And a lot of the employees will be let go and yeah. hotels surrounding me will just like shutting down. And yeah. it was like, how much longer am I going to have a job? I live paycheck to paycheck. What the fuck's going to happen? So I just decided, well, you know, I, you know, I have this book that I'm just sitting on. I could just release that. Maybe I'll get a few extra bucks to, to get gas and groceries. Right. <laughs> So um, it was a Saturday night. We received one of those classic tornado warnings, and I thought it it would be pretty funny if I just released this book now on a Saturday night without any pre-promotion at all. No one even knew the book existed. Yeah. So I, uh, uh, we uh, we announced it. We already had it filmed because I was already thinking, okay, I'm going to put this out, but I don't know when yet. And then that happened, and I thought, well, let's just put the ebook on the website right now and submit it to the printles, and like the people could buy the book tonight if they wanted to. So I announced it, and to my shock, it didn't like bomb like many books do, especially mm-hmm. the lack of any planning whatsoever. Right, right. Up. Um, and few weeks after that my manager uh, ryan lewis he finally got around to reading the novella he loved it he thought it would make a great uh movie so we rewrote the novella as a new script because the old script i wrote was fairly different from the novella it was like a Mm. basic skeleton of what the the book ended up being so i rewrote the script a few times he sent it to some contacts he had and one of those contacts was sean king o'grady who uh co-runs atlas uh industries a, a movie production company in detroit and he's like directed documentaries and shit like that but he was mm-hmm. looking like good script to direct as like a, a feature-length movie and this seemed right up his alley and kind of feel to make during covid because it's just one setting the cast is feeling limited it would wouldn't be that expensive they own the sound stage in michigan so they just built the bathroom inside of it It, they already own all the cameras and lighting so it all just came together pretty quickly yeah yeah that's the good thing about like something um like like people will always read you know like sometimes people will comment on like my own books for example and they'll say oh the 13th coyote that'd make a great movie i'm like well it'd make a great movie if you had billions of dollars to spend like with the the amount of like production that would have to go into it but what would really make a good movie is what would be easy to do 
And when you have a story that is four or five characters in one location, that's really easy to film, uh, you know, compared to like some Lord of the Rings type of shit that's, you know, like yeah. sprawling, you know? Uh, so it, it's kind of, it's a, it's a good idea for, for writers writing a screenplay to kind of simplify and not like right out of the bat, try to do some, some huge epic thing and just make it like a, a simple setting, simple amount of people, uh, because that has a higher chance of being made. One interesting thing that I discovered, like not discovered, but uh, yeah, okay, discovered. While we will submit this script to places, like we sent this script to a pretty big uh, company that does film movies. I won't say mm -hmm. who, but um, they rejected it. But they said they loved it, but they they also said this is too small for what we do. We need to do higher budget movies. So they oh. like they they recommended going to some indie companies, and I was like to my manager, like this is this doesn't make any fucking sense. Why would yeah. they not? Why would they say this? And because the the answer is the higher the budget, the more money everybody makes because the money comes from a percentage of the total budget. So yeah. high level that. That's why, and it just it took me a long time to grasp. It just seemed like just make a bunch of sh fucking cheap movies. That just makes so right. much sense to me. So right, it's like they don't give. It's like a, a more expensive movie will be like way shittier, but they'll make it so that everyone can make more money, type of thing. Yeah, because all that money typically it, they get that on day one of filming too. So it's not like oh we'll get this money if we make so much back from theaters. That just that goes into the bank accounts on day one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, awesome. it's uh, well, no, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, it, it, it's funny though. Uh, like when you, when you think about, um, you know, like the, the, the stuff coming out, like in, you know, from what company and you were saying like that they, uh, it's almost like they have like, well, we have a reputation of putting out bigger stuff too. Like that's part of it. Like I think some big studios don't want to take on a small, production like that even if it's serious content because they don't want to be like well we're not you know fucking full moon over here making <laughs> yeah. evil bong and puppet master 25 you know yeah uh, so I, I i do think that's some of it too is like some studios mm. just don't want to seem like they're they're small by putting out a small movie yeah i i think that's exactly it like i'm not even mad at the studio who said that like they will really comp uh, they like they complimented me and they will like please send us something else when you have it that might be a big old budget it just it was just shocking to me at the time that like yeah. that everything operates i never thought it would be like that so it's been yeah. an interesting to schedule in my end yeah no that is interesting that is that is i would have been surprised by that too where they're like well we love it we'd love to put it out but it's not expensive enough <laughs> that's not something you expect to hear on any business venture yeah. no <laughs> uh so uh i don't know how much you can tell us uh at this at this stage um but it has been picked up and it is being distributed right yeah it um, it's being put out by IFC Midnight, and it's nice. coming out to uh, limited theaters and a pay. Uh, no, what is it called? Video on demand mm -hmm. on September third, Label Day weekend. September third. So I, can, I yeah. can't wait to check it out, man. It, like it's going to be. It's going to be in limited release theaters, limited uh -huh. run theaters. That yeah, means that you can be considered for an Oscar, and oh, you have shit. my vote. <laughs> what about you, Chris? What, what uh, do I have to do? 
No, well, I, I'll I'll be there and uh, I'll I'll give you the cum clap if uh, if you win. <laughs> oh, do you think I might win a cummy? <laughs> You'll definitely win a cummy, dude. No question. Don't jinx it, but I think this is your year. I really I do. Think so, uh, all right. So everybody, it's called um, "We Need to Do Something," and it's going to be available on demand uh on uh, september 3rd also in limited theaters i actually get some limited theater films in my area so hope maybe i'll be able to uh see it uh somewhere nearby if not i'll be grabbing it on the third um so you want to tell us anything more uh, about it before we move on to our next thing i think we've we've covered most of it yeah nothing's coming to mind cool cool well you can get the book right now uh, and I suggest that you do. Uh, and then you can check out the film on September 3rd. And that will bring us into our next segment, gentlemen, which is, of course, Ridiculous Reads. Ridiculous ridiculous reads being ridiculous for all of your ridiculous needs ridiculous reads i am on ridiculous reads this week gentlemen i know and um so exciting it is exciting uh i can i i'm picking up the excitement in your uh in your your timbre of your voice but the thing is i am excited i'm excited i'm excited we um man jesus i i hey man calm down dude this is a family show. <laughs> you don't need to get all worked up. Hail, uh, baby. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Hail, baby. I, 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 all right. Anyway, I uh, <laughs> usually, I know usually for ridiculous reads, we do um, novelizations of, of movies or like, you know, kind of things in the, like a humorous vein. And we kind of poke a little bit of fun at it. But every once in a while, we pull out one uh, that is. I'll then um that is cool and uh this week i'm gonna pull out one that is pretty cool i think um i was in indianapolis uh days of the dead and there was a a, a dude next to me and he had a ton of movie memory like good movie shit like it's just like legit old school things he sold a jaws poster uh, for 500 bucks like that right in front of us like one of the french ones i mean he was he had like legit ass shit very nice dude but he had a box of like horror books and novelizations and uh nick uh nick p um 24 minutes in says uh oh. like uh he went over there and said like hey dude they have like this nightmare on elm street book over there you might want to go check it out you're like you're you know your thing and i was like okay cool and i went over and looked at it and i was like oh wow this is not a novelization of one of the movies this is like a a, a branching off like i was mm -hmm. like i was captivated by this i was like oh my god and like the guy was like oh you're looking at that nightmare on elm street one i was like yeah yeah it's cool man he's like i'll make you a deal on it and i was like well i mean on sunday we'll see you know i'm not you know trying to fucking but uh, i let it go until sunday and i ended up he ended up giving me a good deal and i bought it and uh what this book is is called uh a nightmare on elm street protege and this is by Tim Wagner. And uh, shouts out Tim. T shouts out Tim. Like uh, this is uh, Timmy. Timmy Wag is his name. So Timmy, Timmy, <laughs> he old totally T goes T by Timmy Wag. T Wags. 
uh, Black Flame Press puts this out, like uh, or Black Flame publication with the you know new line or whatever the fuck. But what this is is it, it's like um, an extension of mm-hmm. the universe, kind of. I guess you could say. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually, if I may, I, I'm just saying yeah. I'm, I'm I'm familiar with this series because um, New Line warranted out the like the licensing to uh, the Freddy and uh, character and uh, the Jason character during the whole Freddy versus Jason era. And there were a series of books that came out that were not that not weren't novelizations of the films. They were just novels that took place in that universe. And there were several Freddy ones, several Jason ones. Uh, and I, I've particularly wanted to find this one. I remember you when you texted me the image when you were at the, the, the con. Excuse me. Uh, and, you, and I was just like, holy shit, you found it. Because I was particularly interested in that one because it was by Tim Wagner. Uh, because I did. Uh, I, I was at. Um, uh, Stoker con with him years ago and had a chance to talk with him and everything and he's a cool guy and uh and so i was i was extra excited that you happened to get that particular one because there's like four or five of those of those novels um yeah of the, of the nightmare uh there's three from nightmare on elm street okay. which i would fucking kill for the other two but in the right. back like you're right like there's all the the jason x ones there's like a whole list of all the ones that right. they put out well there's Texas also... chainsaw massacre there's all kinds of them Right. But there's also the uh, I mean, there's those three, but then there's also like the Freddy Sweet Dreams, which is that one that I have. That's like a collection of short stories all in the Nightmare Universe. Uh, So there are other like, you know, Freddy books out there as well. And then there's like the and then there's like the teen ones. There's like the the uh, Friday 13th and Halloween had young adult books. Written, were they uh, in, were they like a part of this like publication series or no not not they're, they're not all tied to that particular series oh. i was just saying like these things exist oh yeah absolutely yeah in- my uh, i have a buddy named miguel who has the uh, the halloween ones they're pretty cool yeah yeah and and, and i haven't read them myself you know, i haven't been able to find them but uh, I've read reviews, and apparently, even though those Halloween ones were meant to be young adult, they actually have like some real brutal kills in them. That like they're actually really violent, which was kind of a surprise to a lot of readers. Yeah. Well, in this series, like there's in like that it's tied to this particular one protege. There's two other ones. One's called Suffer the Children, and one's called Dream Spawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would totally get those if I ever found them because this book, like. I like Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I love Freddy. I love jokey Freddy, you know, like and we we clash on some of those things. Some other people we've had we've had Freddy conversations. But mm-hmm. I was also like, okay, so this is like somebody writing Freddy, like, oh, I'm just gonna write a Freddy story. You know, this could be awesome or this could be so stupid. Either way, like this is gonna be a win, I think. So I bought it and immediately this book hooked me because i was like oh shit this is like a nightmare on elm street movie like the tone the voice the way it was presented i could hear all like i was like oh god damn uh so i was in love with this book from the beginning and i was all like trying to read it like this like barely opening it because i want to crack the like the spine and shit uh but but i read it uh i read the whole fucking thing and i i loved it Um, awesome so awesome yeah, so I wanted to read like a section from this and and at the beginning of the book, actually, just to kind of show what what I was like, oh, shit, like this kind of got me. So the book is called Protege, first of all, and um, let me read the, the back as, as we do. 
He's one of the most recognizable movie monsters in the world. With his razor glove and striped sweater, Freddy Krueger is the man of your dreams. But these are dreams you may not wake up from. Black Flame continues its terrifying series of novels based on the New Line Cinema series and Nightmare on Elm Street. In this latest installment, Freddy yearns for the patter of tiny feet. But will his new young protege be content with being only second best? So immediately everyone's like, oh, God, because that was what I said. I was like, dream child. We already did this. What the fuck are we doing? Like, but they address that immediately. It's like Freddie tried and failed with that. Here's a second attempt. So right away they address it and get it out of the way. And I was like, all right, I'll buy that. I'm good with that. Um, so this is the like uh, at the beginning, this this woman, Joanna, she's driving home. She's pregnant. She's driving home from work, a uh, young woman, and uh, she's falling asleep at the wheel uh, in the middle of the night. So I want to read a se- the sex- section from here. All right. uh, so- Stay awake, dummy, she chided herself. The last thing you need to do is fall asleep behind the wheel, especially with a baby. And Joanna saw a flash of red in her headlights. She slammed on the brakes, but it was too late. She saw a firebird framed by her windshield seemingly motionless in the middle of the intersection as if she were looking at a still picture instead of a vehicle that had run a red light doing at least 50. She'd never been in an automobile accident before and never been seriously injured, never been hurt at all, but for the usual assortment of childhood scrapes, cuts, and bruises. But it looked like her luck was about to run out. There was no way she could avoid a collision. Oh my God, what about the baby? Strange calm came over her then. And she felt like nothing more than a detached observer, a passenger on a deadly amusement park ride, unable to do more than hold on and watch as the front of her Jeep rammed into the Firebird's rear quarter panel. She felt more than heard the awful sound of crumpling metal, followed by the scream of tires, desperately trying to maintain their grip on asphalt. The world became a dizzying swirl as her Jeep began to spin, but then the front end of the Firebird swung around from the impact and smashed into the front of her vehicle. She experienced a sharp jolt, and her seatbelt snapped taut as the Jeep began to spin in the opposite direction. She was still calm, though. She thought maybe in shock was a more appropriate description. She wondered why the airbag hadn't deployed. Maybe the system had been damaged by the initial impact, or maybe her Jeep was just a piece of junk. She placed a hand on her stomach. Sorry, Junior. Guess I shouldn't have bought a used car. Very funny. Like, that's that's gallows humor, right? Oh, yeah. Dead baby humor. The Jeep's driver's side wheel lifted off the ground. For an instant, Joanna thought the vehicle was going to tip over. But then the tire came back down with a jarring thump, and the Jeep finished out its spin on all, all four wheels. At first, Joanna didn't realize it was over. She was so dizzy that it felt like the Jeep was still spinning. It was the silence that provided the first clue. No crumpling metal, no protesting tires, nothing but the soft tick, tick, tick of overhead engines, overheated engines starting to cool. Cold wave of delayed terror, along with concern for her unborn child, rushed through her, and she looked down at her chest, arms, and stomach, expecting to see spurting blood and jagged pieces of broken bone protruding torn flesh. She saw no blood, felt no pain. Maybe she was just numb from shock, but she didn't appear to be injured. She laughed in release and patted her belly. (laughs) Looks like we got lucky, kiddo. But her relief was short-lived. She heard a low, wet moan as if someone was trying to speak underwater or through a throat full of blood. Oh, God, the other driver. She pressed the catch to release her seatbelt 
and then reached for the door handle. She half expected the driver's side door to be jammed, but it opened easily and she climbed out of the Jeep. At first, her legs buckled under her weight and she thought she was going to fall, but she managed to remain standing, if barely. She reached out and grabbed hold of the Jeep's door to steady herself as she examined the Firebird or what was left of it. It looked more like a giant wad of paper than a car, as if it had gone through a compactor instead of being involved in a simple traffic accident. The metal was bent, twisted, folded, and compressed. Fluids leaked onto the asphalt, oil, water, gasoline running together, merging into a single widening pool. And there was another substance in the mixture. Thick, viscous, a red so dark it was almost black. Sweet Jesus, no one could survive a wreck like that. And then she heard a moan again, softer this time, trailing off into a series of wet, choking coughs. Without thinking, Joanna stumbled forward, not knowing what she could do to help, only knowing that she had to try. She started toward the wreckage of the Firebird, shoes splashing in the foul liquid spreading across the street. She reached the driver's side of the Firebird and stopped. The window was down, and she could see that the man inside, at least she thought it was a man, was horribly scarred. His face, a patchwork of leathery hide and exposed raw muscle with hints of white bone visible. His bloodshot eyes were wide and staring, and the steering wheel had punched through his chest, soaking his green and red striped sweater with blood and pulpy bits of lung tissue. The dashboard had been driven so far in that she couldn't see the lower half of his body, and she feared that he might not have a lower half anymore. Lying neatly atop the dashboard, as if it had been placed there and ridden out the accident without being disturbed, was a brown fedora. Cold nausea twisted her gut, and she stood frozen in numb terror. She recognized this man, this thing. She heard numerous stories about him growing up, stories told on playgrounds in frightened whispers by children with red, sleep-deprived eyes. Freddy Krueger turned his head toward her and grinned, displaying yellow teeth flecked with blood. Well, are you just going to stand there all night, or are you going to help me out of here? Freddy's voice was rough, gravelly, his words laced with equal measures of mockery and hatred. I gotta take a leak, something fierce. And I could go on, but I, I'm gonna stop there, because this is already long. But um, that, like, right from the beginning, like, I could hear Freddy's voice, like, the description, all of that shit. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Tim does an excellent job of not only writing a good being like writing well, of course, but like capturing the Nightmare on Elm Street tone, which I think yeah. is, is missed on a lot of these these novelizations and shit that we do. It's like they're tone deaf kind of, which we know they're at a disadvantage. But this is so good. So if you find this book or anything else by Tim Wagoner out there, uh, I highly recommend it. But if you get the other two and you want to send them to old Uncle Johnny um, at, you know, Vital Social Issues and Stuff Road, uh, <laughs> you know, uh well, Chris I was John Wayne, Texas.com or something. I'll take them. I could definitely say that, uh, that if you have a chance to read Tim Wagner, you should, I can definitely say that. Um, I have not read, uh, protege. I have wanted to, uh, but these books are out of print and they are very expensive. Usually when you find, um, paperback copies, they could be anywhere from like 60 to $200. Uh, so yeah, they're not the easiest thing to collect. Uh, you know, what's funny though, is I forgot to mention when we, when we were talking about these, this series is there was also a series of Friday Thirteenth books around this time that were all set in the Jason X universe mm-hmm. specifically. So there's like I forget like three or four mm-hmm. novels out there that are specifically Jason in outer space. 
They're, well, well, they're <laughs> they're, they're only here. in that world. <laughs> in that world, there's um okay, there's uh listed back here. There's two: the experiment and Planet of the Beast, but and Jason X. But Mike Lombardo shouts out has all of those Jason X books, and I know nice. one of them has like a badass theme where uh, the premise is like there's an island where there's a reality show taking place and on the other side of the island this like scientist res they resurrect jason of course and then hilarity ensues so yeah. i would love to have that like those books sound super like killer to me as well yeah but yeah. uh these are like these ge these gems out there that i think like uh you know we that i wish uh i could find more of I would yeah. kill just to write some of these, man. I know, dude, right? Oh my god, dude! I was talking to uh to our buddy West Southern on another like on my awesome dude podcast, and I was saying, wouldn't it be fucking awesome? And don't steal our idea or whatever. Like if so, like you get a, like a publisher that has like some IPs like this, like and, and like I know like something like Freddy Krueger, like the big ones. That's hard to get, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe you get somebody with like. They have like fucking Wishmaster or some shit. And then you well, get like some. Well, that's what happened. Yeah, you get some big swinging dicks like in the indie horror. We all write like a Wishmaster book or something, put them out, and like boom, it'd be awesome. Well, Dude, Wishmaster wish what... specifically would make a great anthology because each each silly is a wish. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, well I was, what I was going to add to that is that uh, Encyclopocalypse, which uh, has re released some of the old out of print mm -hmm. um, horror novelizations like Fright Night and uh reanimator they recently released the novelization of wishmaster but this novelization was just written it wasn't written back when the movie came out so they got so, the rights to it and right. then someone wrote it and released it uh, so but they like, must own the rights right so we could all like write five different wishmaster well, books they, they, under, they, under them possibly well, right that, that's what i'm saying is yeah. they they don't necessarily own the rights but they got the rights to do they a novelization the, exactly. They could potentially get it again to do, you know, uh, uh, to continue, you know, making like these novels or, or whatever or, you know, whatever um, horror franchise, depending on how much it costs. I would fucking, uh, I've been talking about this for like three weeks, dude. I would love yeah. to do something like this. It's it, like the idea is so awesome. But So we got to email this company and be like, hey, I want to pay us to write some fucking <laughs> movie novelizations. Yeah. I want to pitch it to him. I think it would be a cool thing, dude. I think I think yeah. everybody. I don't know. It'd be if fun, you, and I think you, everyone would enjoy it. All right, here's a question: If, if, uh, if money was no object, if rights didn't matter, if you could write a novel in one world, not do the novelization of the movie, but in one yeah. horror franchise world, which would you pick? Uh, I'll start oh. with with uh, you, Max. I would probably go with like the Evil Dead franchise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just because you love it, or because you already have something in mind. I don't have anything in mind, but I t I think because I tend to go a, a bit comedic, I think it would my tone would blend well with that universe. I I would have to agree with that. I've read several of your books, and I think that it would yeah. it would be very very well. Uh, it would just kind of go hand in hand with uh, that. Thank world. you. Yeah. yeah, I think that would be a great match. Yeah. Uh, me well, I mean, like coming fresh off of this freddy book like immediately my mind is filled with freddy ideas where it's like oh shit oh shit because that, that that's a huge like playground of to play around with like he's in dream world like you have to stay in springwood but i mean he's in fucking dream world you can do anything you want uh but if i hadn't and it was maybe proposed to this i would pr maybe lean more towards a hellraiser 
uh, mm-hmm. thing um, because I am like enamored with you know that whole series and that whole story. So right. I would maybe write something in that universe, if not mm-hmm. like the Freddy universe. Sure, sure. What about uh, you? Halloween. I would, yeah. I would. I would absolutely do Halloween. I've had an idea for a Halloween movie since I was about seventeen, and like I've never sat down and wrote it out. I've never done any of that because it's like hey, I'm never going to make have an opportunity to make this. But yeah. like the whole ho- the whole mythos, if you will, of Halloween and the whole legacy of it, like I've had this same idea building and growing bigger in my head for decades, and they still haven't done anything like it. And I won't let say me, what it is. Because, let me ask you, like, yeah. cause is that something you could write like as a book, but like just not like say, oh, this is Michael Miles, uh, like <laughs> a different type no. of slasher. I don't, I don't I'll call I, it the, the Arbor Day Killer or something like. Well, uh, well, uh, not really, because yeah. it's it's so uh, what I'm trying to do. And it basically is take all the different worlds and subcategories that they've made, all these different things and put it all make it all tie together. Uh, yeah, it's entrenched know, uh, in that. You know, basically, taking the Jamie Lee Curtis world uh, of of the Halloweens of one and two, and the Daniel Harris four and, and five and well, almost she was almost in six, kind of taking those together and kind of uh, making it one consistent world, but also having more to do with um, the children of Doctor Loomis uh, oh. and going from there. Um, but it's this whole thing um, that you know, it might be total garbage if I actually wrote it all out, but it's like. I've had it in my head for a long time. Uh, and so I think I would have to, I'd be, I would have to pick that. And also yeah. that was, uh, that's such a personal love for me is the, uh, the whole, uh, you know, Halloween series. Uh, even though there's only four of the movies that I think are any good, they're, they're so good that, um, <laughs> that, you know, it's just, it was a big part of uh, my horror upbringing was mm. uh, those are those early films. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I could see you doing like doing that justice uh, for sure. Oh, um, thank you. But outside of that, like even on the level of something like a Wishmaster, not like ding, ding, ding. If you're listening out there, like I'm going to pitch this shit anyway. We are. But like I want to do I think this would be fucking awesome. I really do. Yeah. Anyway. I, am, I am also always available <laughs> to do the movie novelization of Ghoulies 2. I'm always, and, always here. <laughs> And Chris and I are also uh, available to be co-connected to the novelization of Friday the 13th Part 5. Um, Obviously. Uh, yeah, but we have to be, it's a, it's a co-deal. Like, it's one or that you mm-hmm. can't, you know, you know, that's that's, that's it. That's right. That's right. So, anyway. That's right. And you anyway, know what? So Talking about, oh my God, like, speaking of all of these slashers, I mean, I mean, what a perfect segue, huh? Right? Yeah, I think Holy so. Holy shit. <clears throat> oh, uh, wait. Well, <laughs> Hey, hey, dude! Hey, you ever, yo. you watched Saturday Night Fever? We watched that, Nick and I, just on the road, and we watched it like three You're times. Ruining my segue. And uh, and uh, no, no, this is a good segue. Where like his dad's like hitting him in the hair, and he's like, "Hey, dad, don't hit me in the hair, all right? Come on, I work really hard on my hair and shit." You know, it's like I love that. Anyway, you were you were saying about that sounds uh, like that sounds Travolta? like something that sounds like something you would say. Hey, yeah. dude, I work really hard on my hair. My yeah, exactly. I, dude, this is effortless. Uh, but like, also, he's like, Dad, I can't eat. I already put my shirt on. And he's like, Your mother's sauce don't drip. It don't yeah. taste either. God, awesome. Oh. Just awesome, dude. Uh, oh. But anyway, go ahead. Well, we were going from slasher to slasher, but we took a little detour. But we were talking about Michael Myers and Jason. And those are slashers, gentlemen. And that brings us into our continued theme of the summer, 
Summer of Slashers. Yeah. Summer okay? flashers. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. It's a whole thing. So. I thought someone stabbed him. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's what you're supposed to think. Yeah, yeah. That's why I said if he was Oh, he was lying. Okay. Wow. It was yes. a It was a prank. I understand yeah. now. Summer of slashers. Summer of slashers continues, dude. It is it, it rolls does. on it's with a great one this week. What do we watch? What do we watch, Chris? Yes, uh, this is a little film by a uh, new director, her first feature. A nude director? No. A oh. uh, new director, her gotcha. first feature, uh, Deborah Brock. Uh, this was her first feature, but this feature is also a sequel. And we're talking about Slumber Party Massacre 2, the 1980s follow-up to the original 1980 slasher cult hit. Uh, these, of course, was put out by Roger Corman, who put out nothing but excellent, excellent films in his day. Uh, and, uh, you know, this, this movie has quite the cult legacy for being such an odd film. Uh, and uh, the whole Slumber Party Massacre series has a legacy as well, because it branches off into other things that we'll get into, uh, or at least I will. Because I'm a nerd. Uh, this movie holds a glorious 37% on Rotten Tomatoes as the, as of the time of this recording. I think it's going to go way up after this show. Well, that's not a that's not a grade they like to give out. 37. So mm. that's good. No, I know. I think it's going to be much higher after yeah. this show, though. Uh, so we're going to talk about it. Uh, but b- before we get into every play by play, I'm going to ask you guys real quickly what you feel about the movie do you did you like it did you not like it uh and we always start with our guests so max tell us what was your feeling on summer party massacre part two to provide some context i've never seen the original movie or any other movie in the franchise and i wasn't positive uh what they were about so mostly i am left baffled with many questions (laughs) that i'm sure we'll get into during the episode (laughs) yes but did you like it or did you not like it i liked it all right i'll go with that all right i'll go with that (laughs) i'll accept that a pause and i liked it we we can take only good things away from that that's that's acceptable uh john wayne did you like slumber party massacre too well i mean i don't i mean i already kind of didn't bury the lead uh this movie is rad as shit uh, of course you throw any kind of like rock and roll element into a, a horror movie it's going to be hard for me not to like it as we've talked mm-hmm. before about like black roses and uh mm-hmm. several other films like that uh, films and we had Thor, the mighty Thor on, and we talked about that kind of stuff, uh, you know, rock and roll nightmare. So, I mean, this is like, uh, a cream dream, uh, because it's, it's, it's a fun movie, uh, like the whole time. And yes, you're like, what the fuck? But I was like, I don't fucking care. Like, <laughs> like I'm ready to go, dude. So I, I, yeah. I really enjoyed this movie. All right. Uh, well, I've always liked this movie. Uh, I have the, I have all of these the the stuff on a box set, and I also have 
sorority house massacre which is the spinoff i have all of those oh yeah, yeah. Um, those are- I, I i do love i do love the whole series uh this one is a standout and it's the most that shit crazy and absurd um so it, and it also holds a special place in my heart because i first saw it probably 30 years ago uh before i saw the first one mm-hmm. um and uh yeah so there's a lot of reasons that i that i do enjoy it so i definitely like the movie but at the same time i will utterly admit that it's it's utterly terrible it's it's a completely incompetent film in every possible way but that's part of its charm uh and we'll we'll get into discussing that uh so without further ado slumber party massacre part two um so yeah, uh, the first movie, Slumber Party Massacre. Uh, one of the things that I that I always find so interesting about that movie is that it it has it's almost cookie cutter in what it gives you as far as a slasher movie. If you were to like give a a robot, you know, like okay, here's what a slasher movie is, it would create Slumber Party Massacre. It has like the gratuitous nudity, the hot girls having a sleepover, a crazed killer coming after them with a very phallic. Uh, weapon of doom he's got this power mm-hmm. drill like this this big intense industrial drill um but I have, go ahead i have to I have a question so the guitar is unique to the second movie the weapon yes, yes. is this it even is. the same do we also have a rockabilly freddy krugel in the well, well, movie well, okay no, just no. go ahead talk we, we, we yes we don't at all um no, the first film is is just about a bunch of girls having a slump party, and there's a maniac with a drill, uh, a very large, like, you know, industrial drill, uh, very, you know, phallic and everything. Um, but there, what I was saying about the about this, that particular movie is that it's funny how it has all this stuff like, you know, the phallic weapon, the, the, the half-naked girls through the whole movie. And yet it was both written by a woman and then directed by another woman. So it makes it kind of this unique oddity uh, yeah. that it that you know so many people would be very quick to say, oh, this is such a misogynistic movie. But it was made by women. And I think it's because they were like, OK, this is what this genre calls for. And they gave you all of those things that you were supposed to get. Uh, and, and it made it a, you know, a successful slasher film. Yeah, uh, they, but no, they check the boxes, but not in a not not in a like a utilitarian way. Yeah, uh, it was good, you know. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. Uh, Some Party Massacre, the original, is actually uh, like a great slasher movie. It really is. Mm-hmm. But the reason we are we're, we decided not to cover it and jump right into part two is because part two is insane. Um, it's just an insane movie. Uh, I, I'm not saying it's better than the first one. I'm not saying it's worse. Uh, it's just there's nothing else like Slumber Party Massacre 2, whereas Slumber Party Massacre, there's a million movies just like it. Uh, there's nothing like part two. So, Max, to answer your question, no. Uh, there is no there is no guitar uh, uh, drill in the first one. There is no uh, Freddy Krueger meets Fonzie uh, uh, character. There's no, like, Andrew Dice Clay in a nightmare shit as there is with this one so while watching this what i kind of assumed so you can tell me if i'm wrong or not the first movie i assumed was about the sister who's now locked up in a mental asylum and i assumed the rockabilly fred krugel was like the dream ghost of the guy who died in the last movie that's what i was that's what i thought was going on 
And that would be the logical conclusion that anyone who hadn't seen the first one would come to. Uh, absolutely. But that is 100% not what it is. <laughs> so, um, Courtney, who's the main character in part two, uh, she was actually the survivor of part one. Uh, but they don't really talk about that much in part two oh. at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny now in retrospect, because yes. throughout the movie, she's like, I'm having dreams of this guy trying to kill me. And they're like, ah, quit being a pussy. <laughs> right, right. It's like an extended universe book was written about just following this other storyline almost. But well, what, what, or, what or not is well, well, what it is is and it's very confusing it's hard to keep track of but what it is is that um courtney is the character that that carries from the first movie to the second movie uh and yeah she has her sister uh valerie who is in the the madhouse so you would think like what you had said max that like you know like she was one who went through it but no courtney's the one um and valerie was there too but courtney is the is the character that we follow from one film to the next she in the madhouse because of what happened in the movie, or is it just unrelated? Yes, um, <laughs> but it depends on who you're talking about. Because um, <laughs> we're just gonna have to go a little slower, gentlemen. Okay, <laughs> this, is, this is a conundrum. Well, this is a a, <clears throat> a, a, a a very complicated thing. Um, I I do like I do want to point out how I like it starts off like uh, last time on Slumber Party Massacre, mm -hmm. but it reframes the entire like thing kind of like uh am i right or is this am i off like yeah it's like this all this flashback shit that you're like what like yeah, it's trying it, to tell you you know it, it does all at the very beginning and then mm. it doesn't mention the the first movie almost at, at all at yeah. all and like as you're going through simple party massacre 2 there's all of these flashbacks and flash forwards but it's all the stuff that happens later in the movie there's no like traumatic flashbacks to the first movie. Uh, so it's kind of very oddly told the way that they're doing it. Uh, but anyway, let's, uh, before we get into all of, all of that stuff, um, because it is so complicated, uh, let's just keep it simple and we'll start rolling with the movie. Basically, uh, Courtney is our main character. Uh, you know, she's supposed to be a teenage girl. All the teenage girls in this are it, like 25, uh, but they're supposed to be in high school. Uh, and we have Courtney and her friends. They're in a, a an all-girl band. Um, and then we've got their the boys that they're interested in. Um, and basically, this plot is very simple. Courtney and her friends go to her friend Sheila's uh, beach house, uh, her dad's, you know, summer house or whatever the fuck, you know, the people who have money. And they're just going to party there for the weekend. And at, while they're there, Courtney starts having these bad dreams of this uh, this guy who is really like a young Andrew Dice Clay uh, meets Freddy Krueger. Uh, and so he's like, he looks like the Fonz, but, but he's wearing like all leather, like Elvis in his fucking all leather, except that like there's the fucking frills, the, the leather like fringe. Freddy um, Thank you. I, I do have a note that like as soon as this guy comes on screen, like I was like, oh shit, this guy is cool. I like this is a cool ass dude. Like, like I was like, fuck yes. He's got a pompadour. He's like greased back. He's got all leather. This guy is sweet. I'm already into this guy. Like as mm -hmm. soon as they show him in the movie. Mm -hmm. So, 
and and they're like and also i want to say they go to this this condo as their band because they're going to practice for a show they have and then also i like like just to pull out a little detail where she's like i'm writing my song and it's gonna be great like she's like yeah, sure. You've been working on that song for four years. And it reminds me of like people that come up to the table and like, well, I'm a writer as well. I've been working on my first novel for seven years now. I've just gone through drafts. It's like, how long does it take you to write a two minute fucking song about whatever the fuck this movie's about? Mm. Um, and she's like laboring over it. I thought it was very funny. Yeah. Yeah. I think what it is, is it's like, um, it's like this, it's the school though. It's like some school like band contest or something, I think. Right. And then well, they're, they're practicing for they're practicing for that. But the song she's like, I'm going to write the best song that's going to take us into like, yeah, fame, no, I remember. Fortune. Yeah. yeah. No, I remember uh, that. is it, I was is it just... for the talent show that she's writing it for? No, I mean, I, miss... I mean, what they're practicing for, like you had said a show, but it's like they're not at that level yet where they're doing like shows. They're, you know, like, a, you know, like a, they're a bunch of teenagers, like doing like music in the garage, but they sound professional when you see them. Uh, you know, like, yeah, uh, but no, I was just making sure I had the story straight that I think yeah. they were practicing for like the band, uh, you know, Time battle of the throw. bands type of thing. Yeah. So either way, they're practicing. That that's like uh, the guy. Also, they're going there to party and fuck for sure. Mm-hmm. But that's like the that's the overarching. Like, well, we got to practice for our show or the talent right. or whatever. Right. And uh, so. Well, Courtney really wants to go to this get together, but her mom is a little hesitant. Uh, her mom's a little, uh, not strict, but she's more like a little bit more protective uh, because uh, Courtney's sister, Valerie, is, uh, we're told, in a mental asylum. Uh, and so, and the plus, mom... If I, if I could stop you. Yes! <laughs> uh, plus, didn't she just like, isn't she like a survival of a fucking slash old? Does the mom know about that? Wouldn't oh, she be like, no, yes. you should you use caution. <laughs> yes. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a weird thing because yes, the mom should know about that, obviously. And like, but no one really talks about it in the movie. No one really mentions that this happened. Uh, and like, like, like we were like, you yeah. know, like you have no idea that anything happened at all. It's not until about an hour into the movie that ever, anyone even references that night of everything that yeah. happened in the first one. It's not like every other you know sequel, which logically explains what's going on. It uh, is it's so funny to me to think about this. Like, imagine if you were hanging out with some friends, and one of those friends has like this major PTSD from this awful thing that happened to them. And anytime yeah. they complain about a dream, you will like ah, shut the fuck up, you yeah. idiot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's absurd. It's absurd. Uh, yeah, uh, Courtney, the character of Courtney, was like the final girl in in this, and all her friends got butchered by this maniac with a drill. Um. And her sister, Valerie, is in the mental institution from that night and everything. Uh, the mom in, in this scene is the same woman. I, I didn't write her name down, but she's also the mom in Heather's. And she's also the ass-kicking nun in Night of the Demons 2. So uh, I had to make a note of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, both great films. Um, but yeah, this movie uh, is... And, and I made a note of this because, like, okay, so she she gets permission from her mom to go to this thing and her friend, her best friend, Amy picks her up in, in the car and they're driving. And like, immediately you get like, you realize that this movie is trying to push the soundtrack more than they're trying to make a movie. Um, 
Like they're in the car. It's like, oh wait, this is my favorite song. Turn it up. Yeah. And they're listening Tokyo to the convertible. Song. Yeah, and they're listening to the song and they're singing it and they're like putting all this emphasis on these two girls really focusing on the song. And it's not just this one scene. Throughout the movie, there are these songs where where people will be like, hold on, I love this song and turn it up. And either they dance or they're actually singing the song. Like it's it's kind of like this whole thing where you watch some 80s movies and you, and it's very obvious that this is like the age of MTV when music videos were like a new thing. It's like when you watch Rocky Four and you're like, this is like there's like six full music videos in Rocky Four, you know? Um so anyway, yeah, they uh, so they all get together and they decide to go to the, this house and from there it's they're just just doing stupid teen shit. Uh, John Wayne, you you looked like you were going to say something there. Uh, no, I I'll save it till it comes up. I'll save it. Till okay. It comes up. Yeah. I'll ask you guys a question because I, mm-hmm. I had kind of a dumb childhood and I didn't get to do like teenage things at all. So, but I've seen lots of movies about teens, uh, legal movies, not like those <laughs> kind of movies. That's the show, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> uh, I'll talk about Hot, Wet, and Wild in a few. But uh, September 3rd on IFC, midnight. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> There's this trope when you uh, watch a movie about teens. People's always like, ah, we're going to have this place to ourselves. No parents will be around. Let's all go for the weekend and just fucking go nuts. So mm-hmm. I know, like, did you guys have that uh, in your childhoods? Mm, well, yes, but it wasn't the way it's portrayed in this movie because I was poor and all my friends were poor. So it wasn't like, oh, the, that our parents are going away for the weekend. It was all, it was more like our parents are just never around. You know, <laughs> it was more like that. It was like, ah, oh, we can do whatever we want because they're not around. And then when they are around, they don't care what we're doing. Uh, so like all the partying and fucking and drugs, like that, it just, it happened anyway, you know. So good times. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I have a funny anecdote about these movies uh, in high school, and I, I think I touched on this in another episode, but uh, I was like in theater and I was doing one act play. And one of the way that like like how the football coaches cheat, one of the ways that we cheated was to do like a lock in and do like 100 rehearsals like back to back. But uh-huh. it was a lock in for the- like that's what they categorized it under. And um so they had like uh, bring some movies, you know, and shit to watch. So my buddies and I rented Slumber Party Massacre and Slumber Party Massacre 2 because we knew they had like titties and shit. We're like, hey, dude, we're going to put these on and show them to the girls and they'll get in the mood. And, you know, maybe like, but like, no, they're like so not like they're so violent and shit with way backfired on it. It was just all of us watching them by ourselves, like four guys watching this by ourselves, jerking off still. But uh, the plan totally backfired on us. But I yeah. still love these films. <laughs> well, this movie has um, it had the the most incredible box cover, um, and it was just the Driller Killer, which is all the, the character is credited as in the movie. Uh, okay, him. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just talking about the the box. Um, it's just this the Driller Killer looking all cool in his Fonzie Andrew Rice Clay outfit with his fucking badass guitar drill. And he's hovering over like these three girls that are like, oh, no. And they're all wearing like nightgowns and like skimpy underwear. And and some of the girls in that poster aren't the girls in the movie, which is even better. 
Uh, but that that box was always such an eye grabber to me and and people might you know like you know this is like i don't know this is like early 90s you know I'm like like 14 15 and i'm like oh fuck that looks amazing you know and so it grabs you like like you were saying you know john Wayne, when you were like oh we're gonna pick out a movie to watch with girls like it grabs you it's like it has that like danger and sexuality and all of that stuff that we weren't supposed to be able to get uh yeah. and, and so like the the advertising on it is fantastic the movie however doesn't live up to what you would expect uh from based on the, the poster art so now because so so you ref so since you referenced to him as the driller killer that's how he's billed in the credits now is this a nod to the abel ferrera movie driller killer which i mean that came out in 79 this movie came out in like 86 or whatever yeah, is, yeah, is I don't it know. related in any way no i don't know not, i don't know i don't think it's uh, like no one said anything about it being related um they just never really named the guy uh they name him they name the first killer uh his name is, escapes me but in the first movie, the guy has a name. In this one, he's just in. They never say his name or anything. He's just referred to as the driller killer in the credits. But yeah. the guy who, but the guy who played him, has uh, an interesting name. I wrote it down. Let's see. Yeah, the the actor who played the killer's name is Atanas Illich, which I just thought was a really bizarre name. And I was like, that, he looks like an Atanas Illich. Atanas Illich. Illich. What the fuck? That's his that's name. Pretty, that's, the, uh, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, that's yeah. the actor's name. It's the actor's name. Um, I love this guy even more. Like the yeah. fringe was put me over the top, but this like yeah. is like the second come, the surprise second one that you have, you yeah. know, loaded I, I'm in really there. Not, I'm really not surprised that you think he's super cool because he's like absolutely 100% lame. But <laughs> <laughs> but he thinks he's cool, so it's like yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely he's got like a fucking awesome hair he's in leather he's got a badass guitar he's ripping it up and then he's like killing people and shit he's pretty cool what did the uh the guy in the uh the the original movie look like did he have a mask or what no no um he he basically he just looked like a guy he was he wasn't rocking like you poindexter yeah he wasn't he wasn't rock and roll like uh like this this killer in part two uh, he was just a guy, and he was kind of like middle aged. He had gray hair, uh, yeah. and he and he wore like jeans, but he also wore like a jean t shirt with the sleeves rolled up. Uh, okay. You know, and like he was just like, like a crazy guy, and he just went around killing these young girls with a drill. And it's they never sequel. really. It's so baffling. It it really is. Well, it really is. Um, if it help if it helps you, let me put it in these terms. Now, uh, in the early seasons of Saved by the Bell. Um, it was just the kids doing their thing. Now you get a little down the line and then they form a band called Zack Attack and, and seasons seem to revolve around this band. That's like this sequel. So in the scene, uh, like early on, um, where we see the band all together, uh, one note that I wrote that I thought was funny is like, just, just like looking at how I love looking at how teenagers are portrayed in some of these movies, because it's clearly teenagers written by people who are older and directed and everything. And so, like when we when we first see Matt at home, and Matt is Courtney's love interest, he's on the phone with her, and there's a poster behind him that just says football, and there's a guy holding <laughs> like throwing a football. It doesn't say like a team or like an athlete. It just says. Foot like go sports. <laughs> you you didn't have the football poster when you were a kid. <laughs> oh, I guess I missed out on that. 
Uh. I I love that. And also, when we see the band for the first time and we first meet Sally, Sally's the drummer of the band. She's Mm. wearing all pink, like these these pink Peggy Bundy hot pants, a pink top, and she has a pink bow in her hair, like a but like fucking Minnie Mouse. (laughs) It's just like I'm like, you know what? Good on her. Why don't more women dress like that? Pink drumsticks. I want to point that out as well. It's like, why don't more women dress that way? It's a great look. The fucking pink bow on the head. I mean, come on, ladies. It's very succinct. Uh, I do also want to point out that the guitars these girls play, I believe, are early model Charvels uh from which you know got bought by jackson guitars later on and then got bought by fender but uh very cool guitars cool it it makes it all the more like hilarious to try to think of them as a, a bunch of teenagers in a garage band then yeah you know yeah. it's like they have like great equipment they sound really good yeah they're like we suck boom here's a polished song about fucking like they're yeah, like yeah, they, they sound awesome. good you know they sound good. like zach attack um, yeah, uh, but to backtrack, when like Max, you were asking, um, you know, like, did, did teenagers really do this? Uh, I that brings me to the scene where all the girls are finally at the place having their slumber party, and they're like, "Oh, I love this song," because that's what people do in this movie. Yeah. Uh, they put they put the music on, and they all start dancing, and like they and like one <laughs> of them, Sheila, she starts doing a very strippery dance, takes off her top, they're ripping pillows feathers and like spraying Mm -hmm, each mm -hmm. other with champagne and like that's like that's the fantasy uh that all guys have when we think of girls having Mm -hmm. a slumber party but we're we're told oh of course that's ridiculous it's not like that but this movie was written and directed by a woman therefore this is the reality It's like we were right all along, guys. <laughs> and it's even referenced by the guys who are peeking in the window. Like, I is it? I thought this was like just the fantasy or the dream. I didn't know this really happened. Like, uh, so they even reference it, which I think is yeah. even funnier. Yeah. Um, but. Um, I'll I'll say uh, back in the beginning of uh, this uh, seminal 2021, I famously declared it was going to be a corn dog seminal. So when these uh, teens began oh, just chowing yeah. down on corn dogs, just fucking stabbing it in my soul and eating it, I was so excited. I yeah, shouted, yeah. I shouted in my house, "It's a corn dog seminal!" <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! And you <laughs> as well you should, because yeah, I also even, was like, I was like, "Oh shit, corn dog." You know what that means? Yeah, it's a corn dog summer. Yes. And they're Dicks. they're dancing like there's even scenes where these girls are dancing and they're like in sync with each other, all lined up in a oh, row. Oh yeah, they have stuff. like they have like a like a just like planned out dances where they're all like doing like the same motions and shit. Yeah, like and oh like, we and, fucking like planned it out. Is that what TikTok is? Where the you planned it out? I guess. Uh, but Sheila. It thinks it's a great idea to just start taking her off her top. And it's like, what this group of girls are all hanging out? And the one girl's like, I'm just going to, we're dancing. So I'm going to just show my titties. Like that, that'd the be cu- like, you know, like that's ridiculous. Like the like, curious one, maybe she's trying to put it out there. Like, Hey, I, you know, I'm maybe I'm trying to find out my sexuality and oops, yeah. my breasts pop out. And maybe if you give me the eye, then, you know, yeah, next there was, thing you know, there was no l- oops in it. She like literally just ripped her clothes off. It's great. Um, but, you can say oops, though. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, this, 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 is, uh, this is where Courtney starts having these bad dreams of, uh, you know, An- Andrew Dice Kruger uh, come running around, you know, and uh, he okay. has, he has, as we've mentioned, he has this 
what is really the star of the movie, and that's the guitar drill murder weapon. Uh, and for those who haven't seen it, it's basically it's the base of a guitar, and the head of it is a giant drill. But even the base of the guitar is this bizarre, like looks like almost like a black metal band's logo or something. It's like very pointy and squiggly and weird. Um, so and that's it, really the, it, the star of the movie. Yeah. So what it is is like it go, the neck of the guitar coming off of the neck where the headstock would be is this huge drill, and he rips up sweet licks on this crazy ass guitar while that big ass drill comes out the end, and they do make these guitars because i looked it up you can buy have these commissioned to be made and there are certain luthiers that make these fucking guitars right amazing dude amazing yeah yeah it is because the movie has developed a cult following over the years um because it's so crazy Um, it's so crazy and like and like you know like i was saying with that box cover alone like you know, boys my age, like seeing that, it's like we, we fell in love with that guitar and that drill, and it was like so cool and crazy. But then seeing the movie, we're like, this guy's a f- fucking lame because he is. He's so fucking lame. Like, like he 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 comes into like he's like he's not scary at all. He's just like, hey, rock and roll. I'm so rock and roll. Doodle-doo. Rock and roll. He just like says Hell that yeah, shit dude, over you're right. and over. You're right. He's fucking awesome. He's like at one point, fuck, like he he he's like so fucking, fucking he, he rips a, he rips this lead, the same one he plays all the time because it's awesome. He doesn't even know any other ones. And he's like, and he and he stabs somebody, and then the camera goes back to him and he winks and blows a kiss. And I was like, fuck yes, I wrote down sick licks and blows a kiss, and that fucking rhymes, dude. Yeah, it's so that's why this guy is fucking cool. No, he's cheesy as hell. He's like the so cheesy. And uh, and then this is a like another thing with like the whole like older people writing to a teen audience, like rather than like this was made in the 80s and rather than like make the guy metal or something, they kind of try to make a metal with the crazy guitar, but then they make him more like Elvis. Yeah, he's like uh, an Elvis. Fan. Yeah. So it's like it's the stuff that the like the woman who who made it like when she was a teenager, what was cool. So it's like this outdated coolness. So it was cheesy even you know, 40 years ago when this movie came out, it was cheesy and it's even cheesier now. I enjoy uh, it because you have a slasher who breaks into song <laughs> in the middle of the movie. He's got he, some like, good tunes, dude. <laughs> no, he doesn't. It's yeah, like this fucking shitty well, Rocky Billy like stuff. He's got that song where it's like, let's buzz, let's buzz, buzz, buzz. Cause oh yeah. yeah Cause the drill goes buzz, buzz, buzz. It's Fuck the yeah, cheesy. Dude. It is not cool. It is so cheesy and dude, so lame so cool. and hilarious. Yes, so uh, many of his songs, like the songs you come up with when you're walking around your house doing like things, like when you're cooking, like, ooh, flipping this hand below. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's exactly right. It's and you gotta write bad. those ideas down so you don't forget them. Yeah, it's that yeah. level of bad. Uh, bad. Yeah, it's like he's just singing what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, and, it's also, an 80. <laughs> and it's also in this like really bad, like Carl Perkins kind of like rockabilly like like sound. Oh, God. It, uh, it's and the best is when there's like that big. I mean, I'm getting a little ahead of ourselves, but in the big like climactic ending where he's chasing the, the two final girls. And it's supposed to be, you know, like, that should be scary. He's chasing them, and he's going to kill them in this this hollowed-out building. But instead of, like, scary music, they're playing this, like, like, this fucking shitty rockabilly. It's like, it eliminates any possible atmosphere of fear you might have. And you just laugh at the fucking thing. 
No, you just laugh at the fucking thing. Uh, and that's why this movie has uh, the cult following that it does is because it's so funny uh, to, to laugh at how absurd it is and how corny the, the fucking guy is. I uh, guess the question is, do you think this comedy was intentional? Because I think yes. I think so, too. Uh, yeah, um, I think so. It's cre- it's credited, like, if you look it up on, um, like, Wikipedia stuff, it's it's called a black comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could be one of those things, like, with uh, The Room, where he tried to call it a black economy, a black comedy afterwards, once people laughed at his serious movie, you know? I, I feel like in the editing room, you can't be watching this and be like, yeah, millisecond Billy music as they chase him, and not be laughing. Right, It's, it's right. not like this is going to skill the teens. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is part one was done very straightforward as a slasher and, and, you know, and it's not some mind blowing horror movie, but it's, it, you could, when you watch it, you're like, okay, this is intended to be scary. And it succeeds on that level as like a slasher, you know, it's not, there's no comedy to it. There's no jokes in it, uh, at least not at the expense of the killer and the scenes that are supposed to be tense and horrific. Uh, Whereas with this, any, any kind of horror that they could have put in it, every moment of it is funny. Uh, you know, even aside from the killer, like the great scene where um, uh, uh, Sally is like, oh, I got this terrible zit and her whole face just turns. Into oh, this, like, such a great scene. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And but it's hilarious. It's like so all those and like, you know, and the scene where Courtney gets attacked by the, the, the chicken. chicken in the refrigerator. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's definitely like horror comedy. But that's yet another thing that makes it a complete 180 from the first film, you know? Uh, yeah, and then there's also just little silly things like um, where you're like, is, is this for real? What are they doing? Like the scene where Courtney, she's in love with that guy, Matt, and she's waiting for him to come to the, to the party. And mm-hmm. she's laying on the couch. She has a picture of him. And she's literally petting the picture. <laughs> and then she yeah. kisses it. And everything, but she's petting the photograph. <laughs> like, yeah, very cool. Like, like, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know what? You have done that. And it was that same picture of, of that guy, Matt. It was. Which, it was weirdly f- enough. Yeah. It's like extremely sticky. Yeah. <laughs> All that cum clapping. That's what did it. <laughs> no, I, spill, I was eating pancakes at the same time. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> Dude, Max loves his maple syrup. I learned that about him. When I, when I maple, syrup is, maple syrup is what you call cum in Canada. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's I, I was trying to be subtle, but yeah, it's true. That's they also call it, they also call it that in Vermont. It's a little known fact. <clears throat> oh to wow, us, New England to us New Englanders. Yeah. Uh, uh, the so yeah the on like we've talked about how this guy is basically Fonzie, but they also try to do like a Freddy Krueger thing, pretty mm-hmm. heavy with this yeah. movie. Um, they really try to emulate you know everything that worked in the Nightmare on Elm Street movies and failed miserably. Yeah. Um, because they're trying to do these dream sequences, but half of it is like clips of what you're going to see later in the movie. Uh, and so it's kind of like, you know, blowing their load a little too early where it's like, oh, great. You just showed us this, this kill scene that doesn't happen for an hour. So when we see it, we're not as like, it's not as entertaining. Plus, uh, it's just really sloppy. If you like think about very- how how everything adds up like he, with nightmare on elm street fills like some rhyme and reason for why everything right. is going on and with this movie they don't really think too much about it and also the pacing is just abysmal because Terrible. almost like 90 percent of the movie is just fake out after fake out yep. mm-hmm. and yep. it's so goddamn exhausting i think really yep. fake out even no yeah it's terrible i hate the fake outs um 
I can't stand that. And you're absolutely right. Uh, Courtney will have a little flash of, a, of something happen that's somewhat scary, like her hamburger turns into a severed hand. Oh, and that she's was like, cool. And then she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then everyone's like, what, what? And it's nothing. And that happens over and over and over. And it's just exhausting to the point where when it finally does happen for real, you're still not sure that it, like what's if it's even happening. It's like, oh, you know, like she's she's finally making out with Matt in bed and the killer, the the driller killer appears and kills him. But you expect it to be like, boop, click. And then she's going to be like, oh, my God, I thought you were dead, like immediately. Uh, but instead, then he's suddenly real. There's no like logic of when he became real, why, or even who the fuck he is, because yeah. he's not the guy from the first movie. He's not the ghost of the guy. He's not the son of the guy. He's just a fucking cheesy ass Fonzie guy who shows up out of her Did dreams he... and into real life. <laughs> Did he drill himself out of Matt into the real life? Is yeah, that how exactly. he came out? Did he climb out of the body? Yeah, I don't know, because like you, you see, because you see the drill coming through, you, and then like he's holding his severed arm. And by the way, the, I will say the gore effects are quality in this. Yeah, uh, the gore I effects think. are very good, top-notch practical effects. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that's exactly it or what. But you're right, like the there's no logic to this. Whereas the Freddy movies, even though they are about the dream world, they makes they make coherent sense. You know, you understand what's happening. You understand when it's dream, when it's not. With this, yeah. it's a complete fucking mess. Uh, and uh, but but they're clearly trying to do what Nightmare did, and they're failing in every possible way. And they even make nods to it, like the cop's name is Officer Kruger, and yeah. like the guy talks about his his neighbors, the Cravens, and it's just like yeah, 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 yeah. you nice. know. Uh, but <laughs> but <laughs> like that. And even in the credits, <laughs> even in the in the credits, the other officer is Officer Voorhees. They don't use his name. In yeah. it, but but I guess in the credits I noticed. Do you and do you think I thought this maybe like do you think that they were just like well the audience like you're gonna accept this as like this is a Freddy thing so just go with it like we don't have to really explain this you'll just is that what they maybe their thought behind it since it I is such a I don't, I don't no. think so I think they were just trying to capitalize on what was so popular uh, and, and did it in a very lazy uninspired way. I mean, um, with a movie like this, a movie specifically like this, but any Hill movie, you have to establish the rules of the universe in this movie. And mm-hmm. the Nightmare movies, they do that pretty well. Mm-hmm. But this one, they don't. They didn't think about it. It's just lazy no. writing. It's it's incredibly lazy writing. Yeah, they, they it doesn't make coherent sense. There's no rules, uh, and. You and like you don't understand what the killer is, what his goal is, what his motivation is, or what his relation is to Courtney, and why he's going after her friends to specifically torture her. You don't understand any of that, um, and they don't even try to even come up with some half-assed reason for it. Uh, but there is somewhat of a reason at the very end, uh, but it's a very big cop out. Uh, but we'll we'll get to that. Um, so anyway, the killer is suddenly real. Uh, <laughs> suddenly not, real. He's just suddenly real. Like, like he just yeah. is all of a sudden. And it's yeah. like all of a sudden everyone else can see him. And he comes down and he starts killing the friends and everything. Uh, and, uh, you know, they had already called the cops earlier because they, like, she, uh, Courtney had had, like, this this dream uh, that, uh, that turned out, of course, to not be real. And so the cops think that they're full of shit. 
And so they call her the second time when everyone's actually getting killed. And they're like, yeah, whatever, kid, don't call here again. Yeah, thinking, yeah, that was awesome. They're like, yeah, yeah and, they're, fuck it. and they're like, oh, fuck it. So the cops aren't going to help us. But I'm thinking, I'm like, just just keep calling and insult the cop. You know, they'll come. They'll come to kill you. And then they'll realize other people are dead. You know, if you call up and be like, yeah, I fucked your mother last night, Officer Kruger, honka, 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 and just do that 80 times, they will show up, you know? That's graphic. They also do something I, I, I have noticed in movies from the 80s. Well, when you call the cops, you go, hey, hello, this is Max Booth calling. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah they always <laughs> said their name. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're going to know. They're like, oh, Max, yeah, hi. <laughs> because you call so often. You know, your yeah. name and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the kills start, and you know we always talk about the kills uh, in the, in summer slashers because the you know kills are what makes a slasher. Uh, and uh, although the drill is awesome, it's like the probably the, the greatest weapon in in slasher history. History. It's so intense, great looking, right up there, like right next to the uh, the knife and cobra. I would say, uh, but the kills are redundant. Or they're weak. same kill every it's time. It's the same kill over and over. Drill going right through the chest. They never go. They should go like go through right through someone's face. You know, put a or, drill up someone's ass. You know, like or, yeah, or say something like like ch- like every time you put it in the chest, it's got to be a reason. Like Chesty Larue. Like you got to say something like that. Like, but yes. it was the same. Like I noted that. Like it's the same kill. Like you just like. Uh, like did they run out of money and just like redo the same like effects no, like just, or something they just, like, no they had good effects when they had them i just think they didn't have any imagination when they made this and i think that's one of the reasons the script is such a mess the writing is so poor and the killers it's like so lame and unexplained uh yeah. uh <laughs> but uh and then like you have these other kills where it's like someone just just falls like off of a high high ledge you know it's like it's <laughs> not they're not they cool kills. They're not cool kills, and he doesn't say anything funny in relation to it. Like that, you're yeah, waiting for what, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're waiting for him to have these Doctor Giggles type one-liners, but he doesn't. He just says stuff that doesn't make any sense. He's like, you know, oh, I, I, I loved this girl so much, so she had to die. That's rock and roll. That's rock and roll. Rock and roll. You know, it's just like shut the fuck up, you stupid douchebag. <laughs> but uh, that is rock and roll, though. Yeah, sure. Uh, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> but it's amazing how intensely this movie doesn't work on any level. You know, it's it only it only works in that it doesn't work. It's a wonderful bad movie. Uh because it's not a scary movie, it's not particularly like funny on its own merits. It's funny in how stupid and bad it is, you know? Would you guys agree or Yeah. So we'll say uh, one thing I would like love to talk about, which is the most disgusting part of this movie to me. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the friends. They have a Breville who we never will see, who is just as fucking pillvilt. And oh, fuck. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote about this. The book that they took. Yeah. That many, many, many things. He has a book the sister took with her called uh, Hot, Wet, and Wild, which is mm-hmm. obviously like this erotic book that she's been reading. That yeah. I mean, if you would stop and think about it, or even smell it, she would realize well, Breville's been jacking off to this book a lot. <laughs> right. but also, when they get I like to, to this, I think that's why she took it. Is it like a guest house they go to? What is this? It's Sheila's parents' like 
summer house. Yeah, so when they get to this house, they go into one of the rooms and they find a blow-up doll, like, tucked yeah, into the bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, ah, oh, it's my brittle's blow-up doll. And then they proceed to play with it and to stuff. play with which it, is yeah. <laughs> so fucking repulsive because, you know, every hole in that doll is just leaking cum. Yes, it's just yes. It, like, a foul, like, a, like a high school science yeah. volcano. Yeah, and then they take and then they take it in the pool. So any dried cum is oh. reactivated. You know, <laughs> everybody comes in the pool. You know that. But that brings me to another little like issue I have, which is a Chekhov's uh, blow up doll. If you, <laughs> why do you not have this thing later on in the movie? Imagine a right. film. Someone's like, "Oh, I'm gonna fuck this doll in the mouth," and then oh. a drill comes through the head and like goes yeah. through the guy. Dick. Right, right. Why didn't Revel show up to be like I'm Hilny and this is where I do my sex stuff? He yeah, could have helped yeah. save. Absolutely, no, you're absolutely right, dude. Like, yeah, they they should have incorporated that in a bigger way. There's that should have been involved in a kill. It's just like mm-hmm. they just were so lazy with the kills. It's just like drill through the chest, drill through the chest, over and over again. Uh, yeah, they totally should have done something with the blow up doll getting killed. Uh, particularly if it was during an act of, of sexual congress. It would have been very nice. <laughs> Consensual. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, to wrap it up, yes. um, we got we got to talk about the ending because this is where you can kind of make some coherence relating to the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the ending, yeah. there's that whole... Kind of being the operative word. Well, you can, only it's kind of like you just want to smack whoever made the everyone involved in the movie uh because uh courtney and amy are running from the driller killer and uh amy falls to her death and then uh courtney sets him on fire and then basically it's like okay well i guess he's dead now even though he came out of a dream fire just kills him immediately for some reason no problem uh but then you know like the smoke is clearing and it's like you know the end of die hard you know all the fucking cop cars and the ambulances and everything and they're bringing amy out and they and for some reason she's like no wait i courtney's like i want to wait i want to look at my closer at my friend who fell from a building because that's got to mm-hmm. look great and amy looks pretty much fine and then she opens her eyes and she's like ah, ah, ah. and then mm-hmm. oh my god then it jumps to the whole it was all a dream fucking yeah. ending which is the worst biggest cop out in in all movie history is making in, and in all writing history as well history, any yeah. writers out there if you ever end a book and it was all a dream just go just jump up yourself adult. you're done yeah. Yeah. is that what happened no i'll be, I'll be honest At the scene where he's chasing through them through like construction and those like odd music playing was so long and uneventful. I began nodding off. So <laughs> right. I, I might have oh, missed shit, someone. dude! You were in a dream. Maybe you were in the dream. <laughs> oh, oh, am I in a dream? You're in it right now. You're in yeah, it right they now. wait. She wakes up and she's like, "Oh, and there's my lover, like next to me." But you know, of course, yeah, yeah. You get well, the turn, Chris. Yeah, it's just it's it's complicated, like. That whole, you're right, that whole scene goes on and on, and it's really boring. And that's my, what the big critique that I was talking about earlier is like, this should be the big climax. This should be scary. And it's not, it's boring. It's just him chasing them, and it's like, oh, do, 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 this like shitty 50s rock. Yeah, that's not And cool. yeah, it's terrible. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's so like, then like she wakes up after the end of it, the, the end of the climactic, you know, finale, she wakes up. And you're like, oh, I guess it was all a dream. And she's lying there with Matt. You know, Matt was never killed. All of her friends are fine. 
but then like she starts to make out with him and then you see his hands have like the the fingerless gloves Fucking you know, like, fingerless gloves Fuck yeah, yeah like the, the gay leather daddy gloves you know i have some of those well there you go you just made my point for me um but yeah like the you know the leather Nothing like rocker gloves, the gay leather you know? daddy. didn't say yeah. there was didn't say there was i was just saying that's what they are and you have I, them i have so, them yeah absolutely have them. <laughs> so anyway like you, you see that, and then you realize, oh no, it's uh, it's the driller killer. It's not Matt at all. And she's like, oh no, you're totally the driller killer. You're not Matt at all. But, <laughs> and, and and like to show that he's burned, they just have like soot rubbed on his face. It's yeah! not like any scars or anything. <laughs> yeah, that's like, right. Like he got burned the fuck <laughs> up, like to a crisp. Right? And it's just that's like, right. oh my face is dirty. Let's fuck. Like yeah, that's like, hell yeah, dude. This guy is so fucking cool. That he gets uh, burned and comes back just with soot on his face and still fucks. That is that is funny because like that is what he looks like. Like he's not showed all burned. He just he looks like yeah. sooty. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Like he's in Mary she, Poppins cleaning chimneys and shit. Imagine yeah. if she realized this and but she wasn't freaked out and she was like, "Oh man, I just had the craziest dream. People trying to kill me." And like that's the, that's the reality. He's just a dude who that's how he is. This rockabilly yeah. boyfriend and she had yeah. a bad dream about him that he was I, trying to kill her. Well, yeah. here's where it it's goes from shitty twist to extra shitty twist. Yeah. Because she wakes up and it's like, uh, you know, it, and then she realizes, oh, God, it's it's actually you and you're still trying to kill me. Oh, no. But then Courtney wakes up in the mental institution where <laughs> we thought that Valerie was this whole time. And it turns yeah. out that Courtney's in, in the asylum and she's like screaming like, no, 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 no. And then the very end of the movie, a drill comes up through the floor, like yeah. it's gonna gonna kill her, and that's the end. Okay. So, so it's like okay, M Night Shyamalan. I was about to say like fucking yeah. M Night Shyamalan in training, <laughs> yeah. dude. Just yeah. Like, and then this. Oh, and this. So what it really is is that Courtney, after surviving the first movie, she's been in the asylum the entire time, and this whole thing has been in her mind. All of part two has been in her mind. Okay, yeah, I fell asleep when they were being chased, and I woke up in the asylum. Oh, yeah. just like just like she did. Uh, <laughs> do you think maybe like the asylum is like constantly playing that shitty music in the hallways? That might be. Yeah, because yeah, they never so. explain it. They never explain <laughs> why the killer isn't just the killer that that tortured her and put her there. The torture that the, the one who gave her all this PTSD. And she doesn't dream about that. She has hallucinations of this kind of amalgamation of him with with freddie with with fonzie like all kind of like oh, tied yeah. together they never explain that that whole thing of why the killer is completely different they're just like well she's crazy now so therefore there you go all of our shitty writing makes sense all of our shitty choices in making this movie it makes sense because we just said oh she's crazy i yeah, have don't questions. ever end a story like that also uh, i have questions have a, have a dream about crazy I have questions about the rest of the franchise. Should yes. I bring them up now or wait? No, go for it. Go for it. Who yeah. is the villain in the rest of the movies? This guy? Well, well, kind of. Uh, it, not really. Uh, no, no, like, the, okay, the, 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 the Fonzie guy you never see again at all. Okay. Uh, but the, the, the original killer you do see or is referenced throughout everything. Because what we have is we have Slumber Party Massacre 3 comes after this. Uh, and then after that, we have a spinoff, which is Sorority House Massacre. Uh, and then we have Sorority House Massacre 2. And then we have Sorority House Massacre 3, which is also known as Hard to Die. Uh, so all of, yes, 
I made John Wayne watch that Boom. one. He's a, he's a fan. Um, Great and, film. And, and, like they, they get more and more absurd. Uh, part three, I don't like, is much like the, the the other the others. It's like it's very different from part one and part two, but it does reference the first one more. Uh, the second one is kind of just forgotten. Um, <clears throat> Sorority House Massacre is when Jim Wynarski started to take over things, and Wynarski uh, is the guy who did uh, Chopping Mall. Uh, <clears throat> and he also oh, yeah, up, yeah, that's a great movie, too. Yep, and he also ended up doing, um, he ended up getting more involved in, like, smut features, you know? Not porn, but just, like, you know, titty movies that were on Cinemax at, mm-hmm. like, one in the morning, you know? He did those kinds of things, those very Andy Sidaris styles things. Uh, <clears throat> and so Sorority House Massacre, it, it, it kind of kind of plays off of uh, of what happened in the first one more than anything else. It doesn't really talk about the, the, the other two. And that Sword House Massacre 2 was kind of like like what they did with Evil Dead, where they just remake the same movie all over again. Only this time, Wynarski just totally goes all out. He just has, like, uh, penthouse-like chicks in the movie, like the girls that were, like, centerfolds who can't act, but they're gorgeous. And the movie is absolutely terrible. It's not scary. That doesn't have good kills, nothing. But the women are incredibly hot. But then it really peaks with... uh, with part three of the Sorority House Massacre series, which is hard to die, because with that one, it completely abandons the whole slasher genre and tries to be like, it's basically like Die Hard, if instead of John McClane, it was a bunch of women in lingerie. Because they have a lingerie <laughs> boutique on the 50th floor of this building where you go and shop for some reason. Mm-hmm. And they're so- doing inventory overnight in their lingerie. It- Exactly, because you gotta, because you have, like, and that's, I don't see a problem with that because it's like commitment to your product, right? Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. believe in the product. If yes. the customer sees that they believe in it, they're gonna buy the product. I think that was pretty true to life in yes. that situation. So, I so agree. Do you, like, <laughs> who's the villain in that one? Like, Tillerus well, taking over the Billy? No, there's actually, there's actually a guy called uh, Ketchum, believe it mm-hmm. or not. Uh, who yeah. is like this? The, who was like the neighbor of the killer from the first Slumber Party Massacre? Yeah. Uh, and he's, but he's he's really more of a red herring. Is like they're all freaked out by him and think he's the killer because he's so weird and so imposing. Uh, but he's actually trying to warn them uh, mm-hmm. because the the killer from the first Slumber Party Massacre is now a ghost. <laughs> in a, in, in, mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't laugh, is, dude. Oh no! Oh well, he should better. <laughs> He's a ghost uh, that gets mailed to them in a box. <laughs> wait, wait, wait for it! Oh, uh, you've never mailed a ghost before, dude. All right, wait. all right. <laughs> it must weigh nothing, right? Yeah, and send it media mail. It's not a ghost media mail. And the and the ghost takes turns possessing uh, each of the, the the women that it kills. So. Basically, you get a different woman in lingerie trying to kill the others uh, every time. Um, Sounds so amazing. It's amazing. No, Hard uh, to Die is really like the pinnacle of cinema. Um, and the, the ending has like, has them like they happen to find like one floor is filled with automatic weapons. And so they're running around women in lingerie with machine guns, like <laughs> shooting at each other. Like they're, they're five feet away from each other shooting. No one's getting hit. It's amazing. Uh, and the only person that does get hit is that Ketchum guy who is trying to help, but they think yeah. he's the killer. He gets <laughs> shot a million times and he's still like, no, wait, I'm trying to help. 
He's he's shot to pieces. It's and oh god. Did they get into who mailed the ghost? Yes, it's um, it's kind of like an artifact. It's uh, you know, it's it's uh, okay. Like it was meant to go to this like museum of cryptology or something. Yeah, uh, but it goes to them by accident. Wrong yeah. floor. Was... This is a large building, dude. A lot of businesses on each floor. <laughs> yes, yes. Lingerie business on the fiftieth floor, mm-hmm. dude. Mailing ghosts would be like the the easiest scam, like selling ghosts on eBay. <laughs> right, Just right. These empty like fucking the boxes. Thing, dude. Yeah, Fuck yeah, dude. We start. We got to start mailing ghosts, dude. Right now. Okay. Yeah. I think that's that's a good title for a book: mailing ghosts. <laughs> I think it could, so. It could be like you know the grifters meet the frighteners. It would be great. Let's talk after this podcast. <laughs> right? We could write this. Fu- we could actually write this. Fucking I thing. I like that. I like yeah. that. A lot. <laughs> we have to use like IPs too. Yeah. All right. So, what we do at the end is we give a star rating uh, of well, between one and five stars. Uh, Max Booth, what do you give Summer Party Massacre two? And I why? Liked- <laughs> oh, okay. and you could you could say why you don't just have to rate it and that's it you can explain yeah. <laughs> I, I liked it because of how baffled i was but the mill i talk about it the mill i'm just like man this is fucking lazy <laughs> i think it's the i think it's the um the excessive fake outs that annoyed me so much with the movie. If you don't have so many of those and you kind of do something more interesting with the plot, I'm all game because it, it was fun. Except for that shit. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the star rating? Two. Oh, two. Okay. So, okay. All right. Yeah. So we got two stars from Mr. Max Booth, John Wayne. What was your take? How many stars would you give this? This is easily a five star movie for me. Um, <laughs> if you've wa- if you've been listening along to the uh, summer of slashers and my ratings, I think that this fits exactly in line with what what my criteria like has kind of been with. Uh, this is uh, this is a movie you do not have to think about one single bit. You could put on, and it's a brain dead movie that you could do something or. It's also fun to watch and be like, what the fuck is this? You know, and I would easily watch it again and show it to other people um, because I think it's as ridiculous. And we've we've dissected it this whole time. But uh, mm. all of those things. Yes. But I still thoroughly enjoyed it and had a, had a fun, fun experience. And would, like, that's why I, I give it a five. Very good. Very good. And that guy is cool as shit, dude. Fonzie Kruger, man. Come on. I gotta get that guy. I gotta get this guy on the show. I'm gonna call, I'm gonna reach out to him. I thought you were gonna say you're gonna get him tattooed on you, which also would not surprise I, me. I, I'm gonna get the guy tattooed. Well, I already did that, but I'm gonna reach out to him. I'm gonna try to get him on the show as a guest. So okay, uh, it, make sure he can get the time off from Dunkin' Donuts before we we ask him on. Oh, they give paid. They give PTO, dude. They're corporate. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, Wait, do you look at Dunkin' Donuts now? John Wayne. Yeah. Oh, he said make sure that that guy can get the time yeah. off of. Dunkin' Donuts. Man. I was joking that his acting career never went anywhere. That was the joke. I was going to complain to John Wayne because I had a bad Dunkin' Donuts incident recently. I, 
I don't work. Yeah. Oh, you're going to go all Karen on them? The yeah. <laughs> Dude, I went to a I went. We got this new Dunkin' Donuts, man. Oh, yeah. I went to it, and I was like, I'll have one vanilla Long John, please. And they said, we don't what? do Long Johns at this location. What the fuck's a Long John? What? Do what the know fuck's what a Long John? No, do I don't know, know what you're saying. What about you, Chris? Do you know what I'm talking about? That's, that's Is that one of the, the Long yeah. Donuts? Yeah. 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 Shoot, they were like, we don't do that type of donuts at this location. And I was baffled, man. Yeah. yeah. You're baffled by a lot of things, dude. <laughs> I'm really confused <laughs> by anything. Like, I don't even know how I'm doing I don't, I don't even know what a long john is, man. I thought yeah. it was a I thought it was a warm underwear that you wore it's both. underneath your clothes when it's cold. No, it's a donut that's that's long. It's, it's a long donut rather than a round donut. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's just kind of like a like a maple twist, log you know, type like, of thing, like a maple no log. Knows. What's that? <laughs> well, it's like a, well, okay. Let me explain to you. So when a man and a when a man and a woman care about each other, they express it physically, and in the traditional uh, anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, does anyone know what I think? <laughs> Chris, please tell us. Please tell us what you would like to rate this movie out of five stars, and yeah. one and and out of donuts as well, straight ones only. Oh, oh, wow! Like in uh, a lot. I'm gonna say I give it three three stars, uh, but it's it's probably more like a three and a half. Uh, and I, but I do have to clarify why. Um, it's because it's so unbelievably shitty that I enjoy it so much. Um, as I said, I actually wrote it in my notes. It's amazing how intensely this movie does not work on any level whatsoever. It, the ineptitude of it, like that went into this is stunning. And that's what brings me so much joy in it. But I'm also partial to it because I have that history with it. Loving that box cover and watching it with friends as, as a kid and just laughing and having a good time. Uh, so I have that nostalgia for it, too. Now, as a slasher movie, it is a zero star. It is a terrible slasher movie. It, it only gives you one you know, set of boobies in it. The kills are boring and repetitive. The, the, the killer is not remotely scary. <clears throat> and it wastes so many opportunities uh, that we've talked about previously. It wastes all these opportunities for great kills and, and great moments. Uh, that other slasher uh, films would have absolutely capitalized on. So it fails you utterly as a slasher movie. But if you appreciate just bad movies, uh, you can't get much worse than this when it comes to 80s slashers. It's really just batshit stupid. Uh, and that's what makes it so much fun. Um, the killer is hilarious because he's so lame. And like, what other killer will break into a full song sequence in a movie you just roll your eyes and just like this is fucking terrible uh so I and you love start tapping how, your toes and then you're singing along dude i love it for how terrible it is but but even as a bad movie it wears out its welcome really quick you know like like mm -hmm. max was saying how you kind of like you dozed off in the big finale you really do it, like i like it's not engaging even as a bad movie at that point because it's just so repetitive and there's so many of the fake outs uh, but I think the first time around, it's a real blast to watch and just laugh at. Uh, but it doesn't have a lot of repeat viewing value. So uh, definitely not my favorite in the whole series. Uh, Hard to Die will probably always be my favorite. Uh, but that one's harder to find. But you can find all of the Slumber Party Massacre films. And I do recommend every watch, everyone watch all of them at least once. And Max, please watch the first one. 
Uh, just, okay. just, just to help <laughs> clear your mind a little. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I'm glad you wait, a, wait a while and then watch it. I'm glad someone was given the freedom to make this. That's what I'll say. Yes. It's pretty yes. cool that they will just go ahead and make this fucking movie. It doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. Who gives a shit? Well, human yeah. beings, one day we're going to die. Make the, uh, yeah. make this fucking rockabilly. You know, I, tried, I tried to like find more information on what the fuck were they thinking? Like, why did they do this? Uh, but there was, there's like, I couldn't find much information on it um, I, at all. But I know Joe uh, Bob did an episode on it, but I, I didn't get yeah. to watch it yeah. time. Um, I know that, like, you know, looking up, like, Deborah Brock, the director, made only kids stuff after this, as far as a director goes. She made, like, kids stuff like Power Rangers type of stuff. Uh, but she produced other things. She, was, she really became more of a producer in Hollywood. Uh, none of the people that were in it really did other stuff, really, or, or n- nothing really worth noting. Um, but it is interesting to note that the series uh, continued to just do its own thing every time. Uh, so maybe that was kind of a theme that this sequel started because part three is very different from the first two. And then the, the spin-offs become basically just softcore uh, until you get to Hard to Die, which is softcore meets Die Hard. And, and it's a slasher. It's just it's, that movie's bad. Diecore. Diecore. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, it's uh, I don't even know how to describe that movie, except it's genius. It's it's a great movie. Hard to die. But that one's very hard to find, unfortunately. Uh, as as kids, did you guys ever go on many sleepovers with friends? Uh, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it wasn't uh. actually like. I don't know, though, I didn't have a lot of these big like group like sleepovers. I don't I don't know uh-huh. that that's really possible. Oh, yeah, to, I would to organize on a, on a, realistically on like a regular basis, you know, yeah. it was, you know, like it would be like, it'd be like one friend would come and sleep yeah. over, you know? Yeah. Like one yeah. friend, maybe two, like if you guys are like playing risk and you need to like all stay together or something. Yeah. It would be like, that would be like a birthday or something. It would be a special occasion. You'd have like, you know, t- two friends stay over at the same time or something. But I, uh, I never had anyone stay at my house Friends won't even allow to be inside my house because my mom is insane. But uh, like I would go, I would go and spend the night at friends' house sometimes. Never re- recall many times like calling my parents at one a.m. Like, come get me! I have to use the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't go somewhere else. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> they would come get me. I would be. I wouldn't even tell my friends. I would just leave. They would be asleep. That's awesome. that is, <laughs> now that's manage. awesome that you didn't even tell them. They like wake up. Where's Matt? Like the parents. The next. The parents are worried for like they hours. Must have been the having a heart attack. Like, okay, yeah. before we call anybody, have we checked everywhere? Did you, are you sure? Did you look in the crawl space? <laughs> yes, I looked in the crawl space. Like I could just see those. Pick those parents just freaking <laughs> out, you little. That's awesome, dude. Uh, luckily, my friend's mom was an alcoholic and never paid attention to them, so that was great. Shouts out, mom. That's a loose way of using the word. Luckily, oh, but, I thought you were, yeah. were going to say that's a loose woman. <laughs> well, possibly that too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe. Yeah. No, that's. Yeah, uh, my my own childhood was not uh, exactly. Uh, you know, the Andy Griffith show either, but, uh, but yeah, uh, slumber parties could be fun because I had a, I had a younger sister 
and she would have slumber parties and she'd have these, you know, these girls over and many of them I would bang and it was great. You know, and when I say younger sister, she was like a year younger. I'm not saying okay, like, good. I'm not, I wasn't <laughs> 17 and she was eight, you know, like, like That's I was 17, good. the girls were 16, you know, it was fine. Nice. <laughs> Glad you clarified that because yes, I had questions. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I answered them. But that, that was, awesome the, those were great. Too. Those are great uh, slumber parties. Those yeah. are those are way cooler than uh, an all boy slumber party. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Well, it's been it's been a good show. I'm glad that you all uh, that you both uh, enjoyed or at least were amused by uh, the the slasher of the week. Loved it. And uh, you know, Max, uh, tell us where we can find you. Oh, yeah. My website is talesfromtheboost.com. Very Just good. Go. Yeah. Okay. And your Twitter is give me your teeth. Oh, fuck. Yeah. You, you knew that, didn't you? <laughs> I, I did. Yeah. You yeah. knew that, didn't you? That was a test. <laughs> it was a test, but you passed it. Yeah, there those are the two places you can find me. All what, right. about, what about the press? Oh, yeah. You can, you can finally. <laughs> I hate promoting. Don't worry, myself. dude. IFC is not going to be mad about this at all. You've, uh, I mean, there's a link to the press on my website. So, um, but the press is called uh, Perpetual Motion Machine Publishing. You should go uh -huh. check it out. Go to Perpetual Publishing. Pick up a book called The Detained by uh, someone named Chris Triana. Yeah, oh, that, exactly. that, that, that guy's a or the bad. or the Ruin Seasons, the new one. Uh, the, not the, yet. If you, or it's going to come yet. out, but they get the yeah, old one yes. now, but then get the replay can't. late. It's not, well, fuck, it's dude. Not, you know Stop what? trying to help. Yeah, God damn it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to help by putting my fucking old copy on eBay then. Oh, shit. Yeah. Saying like, oh, fucking, you know, rest in power, Chris Triana. Here's there the old go. copy. That's and then you, before anybody, before anybody realizes it, I've made five dollars. Yeah. Nice. Thousand uh, cents. If you're lucky, yeah. Five whole bucks. All right, guys. Uh, Max, thank you so much for being on the show. You're right. Thanks, as always, you're always fun to talk to. Um, appreciate you being on, man. Thank you. That was kind. Well, yeah, kind so. of a cummy. I'm a kind That's man. Don't be Just... gross, John Wayne. You speak yeah, he had to ruin it. He had to ruin it, didn't he? Yeah. That's what he you, does. You asshole. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. All right. <laughs> Good night, guys. Good night.